And we're back. Welcome to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. This is also Mike. We have a guest host today. It is uh, a long time coming. So first of all, let me welcome Amy Smith. Amy, welcome. Thank you for having me. And I said we. Mike One is back. He is on the line, but he is feeling horrible. He is... (laughs) I mean, he sounds like a bridge troll through this whole pre-production conversation. Uh, Michael, how are you holding up? Um, I'm here. <laughs> I am very excited that Amy's joining us. I wish I was in better sorts for it, but uh, we have a lot to talk about, and that's unfortunate for my current medical state. <laughs> if, if you hear a death rattle on the other end... <laughs> Or at any point, that is Mike. Uh, it, it just is what it is at this point. But Amy, it, it should mean a lot to you that Mike is, uh, you know, battling his imminent demise to be here <laughs> with you. So I mean, I, we appreciate you. You kind of juggled your schedule. It's it's late for you out there yes. in Scotland right now, but uh, it's you know it's movie season, so that's got to feel good, right? I mean, you're talking about the theaters being packed in the pre-show. It's it's got to feel like movie season, right? Absolutely. And you say it's late. I've done recordings at like midnight, 1am for other people. That's just the joys of being in the UK. But um, (laughs) yeah, I work in the cinema in case people don't realise. And it may be quiet now, but with Spider-Man coming up, like we've got one week where it's going to be Spider-Man, Matrix, Kingsman, all in the space of nine days. It's like, what is? I don't even know what's going to happen. I'm so happy, though. I'm so happy that the, the mm. movie theaters are going to be packed for a change. Just in time for the COVID variants, I'm sure. But, <laughs> <laughs> but Oh, you don't want to know the UK situation on that right now. Oh, no. no. <laughs> so, the, again, the per, it's a perfect time for mayhem in, in Hollywood Hills. But, uh, Christ, Mike, uh, I think uh, we got a couple Oscar race checkpoints in our past that have been fully loaded. I don't know if anyone has been as loaded as this. We have 12 different awards bodies that have too many. released too, too many, too many awards, too many awards bodies. We got to, we got to do something about all these. We got to cut, cut these down. We got to have some merges. This was supposed to be easier with the HFPA kind of taking a backseat in terms of relevancy for the awards season this year. Yeah. And there's, they're still going to put theirs out next week. Yeah. So we'll have that next week. But I, I think we're lucky, though, because we got a contributor from In Session Film, Awards Radar, Filmotomy, Flick Feast. I'm only mentioning half her her resume there in terms of uh, all the stuff she writes for. She's an editor-in-chief, Aberdeen's The Gaudy, and she's got her own blog for Film for Thought. So make sure you check out Amy Smith's work, people. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about her socials at the end of the show. But all right, Mike, you kind of uh, got the AFI list in late. So we're going to talk about AFI right off the top, and then we're going to kind of go movie by movie from there. But who was picked at the American Film Institute? So here are the 10 movies that made the AFI top 10 of the year, which, again, as Mike and I discussed in the pre-recording, apparently only covers American movies, which was news to me that the American <laughs> Film Institute would do that. But anyway, <laughs> Coda, Don't Look Up, Dune, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, I, speaking's going to be tough for me this episode, Licorice Pizza, Pizza <laughs> Nightmare Alley, Power of the Dog, Tick, Tick, Boom, 
Tragedy of Macbeth and West Side Story are your 10, but AFI is giving special awards to both Belfast and Summer of Soul. couple notable omissions. No Cyrano. I'm not sure if that's actually an American movie or not. Uh, I'm fairly confident Spencer is not, so no Spencer. No Come On, Come On. No Being the Ricardos. As far as what this could mean in terms of a Best Picture field, or at least starting to shape that... I went back through uh, to 2009 when the Oscars started having a possible 10 nominees for Best Picture. In the mm. majority of years, and I mean like all but three years of the last, what's that, 12, 13 years, the AFI list has gotten all but two eventual Oscar noms on it in terms of Best Picture. So with Belfast not making the AFI top 10, that's probably going to be one of the two if there's going to be another two that aren't in the top 10. So we may have the best picture field all well and wrapped up if history is to be any guide in this, Mike. That is uh, fascinating to hear. And I was just going to set Amy up for a more measured question, but I, I agree with you. I think they, these bodies at, on the American side of things, they do put up a lot of movies for you know, the overall awards branches to either veto or select, but you're right. I mean, the stats support uh, a strong crossover here. Amy, I'm just wondering about your philosophy heading heading into this, because we follow you on Twitter, we read your stuff, and you're you're fairly well measured when when you talk about these award seasons. You don't get too high or too low. Uh, What do you make of, like, this first swap overall, like AFI? How much stock are you putting into AFI MBR, for instance? Uh, AFI quite a lot actually because like you said it's usually two that they sort of get and you look at this lineup we're starting to see a sort of consensus with Power of the Dog with West Side Story with mm. Licorice Pizza, King Richard, Belfast these are starting to become locks for best picture and they were finally getting that race uh, sorted out but what's been interesting over the past few years is seeing the reviews especially for like some don't look up and being the ricardos and seeing is the controversy going to bring them down or is someone like adam mckay just gonna just ignore that and just keep riding this high well, I, I'm glad that the, the both of you are so certain, <laughs> despite the premises of my uh, questions. But uh, I, uh, I, yeah, I think uh, you're both been cooped up too long in the pandemic. I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to keep us on an even keel, and you're like, nope, it's cinched, it's done. No, I, I, I agree with you statistically. I agree with you in terms of, uh, you know, kind of how these awards set the tone and how one awards body affects another like we ju- we just seen troy Kotzer well, what are the out- what are the outliers mike what are the outliers that you see from that list of 10 that you think are swimming upstream the most in terms of eventual best picture recognition at the oscars it's it's hard to say but i would say like nightmare alley you know could go that's either way that's the one that sticks out to me too coda probably seems more indie spirit than best picture even though i would say it should be best picture in my book uh, mm-hmm. Tragedy of Macbeth, I've always been a little down on in terms of its best picture chances because it feels like homework and crafts. But I mean, <laughs> I enjoy it. I, I mean, I'm a nerd. I'm a Shakespeare nerd. So that's, a, you know, I guess I'm looking at those on the outside looking in. Uh, I'm still waiting to see Licorice Pizza. Mike, we got to We got to tackle that one still. We got to eat that pizza. Mm-hmm. Um, those are two I will things. Never, that, I'm already sick. Don't make me throw up, too, please. 
But Amy, like you mentioned a couple that you think are solidified and and you did mention Licorice Pizza in that group. Licorice Pizza had an awesome first two weeks here, which was a surprise because it is a late breaker. But it had three wins at the National Board of Review, including top film of the year, number one overall, uh, best director and breakthrough performance from both Alana Haim and Cooper Hoffman shared that award. It was a best screenplay winner at the New York Film Cir- Critic Circle. And then Atlanta, it won five awards in Atlanta. So overall, a large resume that we compiled for Licorice Pizza. I guess my question is, is how much do you think this landscape and do you think the Academy is ready for a Paul Thomas Anderson season. I, like, I've been swept up in these kind of it's their time campaigns before, whether it was David Fincher and he had that father-son screenplay, or Tarantino with his ninth film. Was it his tenth, his ninth? You know, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Glenn Close, Amy Adams, it seems to be happening every year. I mean, your Twitter feed is all about Bradley Cooper's campaign. <laughs> so what do you think? Like, where do you think people are at with PTA? Is he in this maestro status and we have to award him something soon i think it's also a fact that licorice pizza seems to be his most accessible film it's quite a short Mm. run time it's quite light as far as i've heard i've not been able to see it yet unfortunately but it seems like it's something that i think the critics and the sort of industry is going to pull towards it's not just a legacy thing it seems like this is something that everyone can kind of swell up and support um i think he's got a better shot in screenplay than in directing or picture so it'll be interesting to see where original screenplay goes in particular i knew we liked you i knew we liked amy (laughs) she speaks truth i'm rooting for it too like i'm ready to award paul thomas anderson but mike you did some like recent history uh analysis there there's a there's a smattering of history and whether or not you can find any kind of links and what matters and what doesn't in terms of the National Board of Review. Like, The Five Bloods wasn't nominated for Best Picture, even though it made NBR's top ten film list last year. Mm-hmm. 2019, The Irishman, I mean, is there... That's one of the all-timers in terms of Oscars uh, trivia right now. That 10-time Oscar nominee that went in and, yeah, it was nominated for Best Picture, but we all knew going into Oscar Sunday it didn't really have a chance to well, win Best Picture. Remember, this was shut out. This was its big week, right? That early December. There was a time mm-hmm. in early December that year mm-hmm. we covered it where we were like, the Irishman is winning Best Picture. It's done. Right. And then, I mean, you have the same thing where you could have said it was a big week for Green Book as well back in 2018. And what does that do? That goes on to win three of its five Oscar noms, including eventually Best Picture, like we all know about. The Post is there in 2017. It only lands its two Oscar noms, even though it does itself also make the Best Picture field. But it didn't really have a chance to win Best Picture, unlike apparently Green Book. And then uh, the most infamous one, maybe Manchester by the Sea, which makes the list in 2016 from NBR. It ends up with six noms. It's probably going into Oscars night thinking it's head to head against La La Land for Best Picture. And then it loses to La La Land before both end up losing to Moonlight. Sorry. But yeah, this is why the numbers support what Amy said at the at the at the opening there. Uh 18 of the last 20 NBR winners went on to a Best Picture nom. Three went on to a Best Picture win. And only three of the last 20 Best Picture Oscar winners did not get nominated at the NBR in their top Mm. 10. So, my goodness, Amy, this does seem like quite the crossover. And that's what you were referring to earlier, correct? Yeah, absolutely. 
So let's kind of look down the card at NBR, discuss a couple other big winners. Like The Tragedy of Macbeth. I'm very confused to how to rate this movie because it's got the goods. I saw it at the film festival. Really loved a lot about it. Certainly got the crafts. Three wins at NBR, including cinematography, adapted screenplay, and a top 10 selection there. It won, <laughs> so New York, it won Best Supporting Actress, Catherine Hunter. I was trying to do her impersonation. That's a terrible impersonation. I just did Cookie Monster, and she is a Shakespearean thespian of the highest order. But we have, uh, I, I just, I, tried, I did my impression of Mike One before the show. Today. Yeah, he was going to say it sounded like me right now, yeah. And uh, all right, it's showing up at DC, Denzel, cinematography, discussing film, etc. All right, first of all, Amy, of the black and white cinematography contenders this year, which is your favorite? I mean, we got you got Tragedy of Macbeth, come on, come on, passing Belfast, the French dispatch. Not even just black and white, but Tragedy of Macbeth is my favorite cinematography of the entire year. It is oh, wow. it is stunning what Joe Cohen is able to do and it might just be even Macbeth nerding me I had to study it for school but I I really did love this film and the cinematography is a standout and I I hope it makes it I hope it actually gets a win I don't know if it will but no doubt about it the tragedy of Macbeth for me it's got to contend with Dune and Power of the Dog that have been winning a bit elsewhere but you're right I mean it's it's getting the publicity it needs at least at the onset especially in its late breaker status like that's why i mentioned those two first liquor's pizza and tragedy of macbeth they're getting a lot early and the third of those of course is the recent you know crown wearing west side story west side story coming out this week just had you know a honeymoon with the critics last week two wins at nbr dc six noms detroit three noms Discussing film, a whole bunch of noms. Atlanta, it's in the top 10. So it's getting recognized, and it's getting recognized early. Mike, is this enough early on? It's, I guess we got to go back, but like Ariana DeBose, what do you think of this early resume of West Side Story? Uh, well, I, much less important to me of what I think of the resume is what I think I'm going to think after I see the movie, because <laughs> we all know how much I love when everybody fawns over a front runner. And it just jades me. But I want to like the movie, but there's obvious red flags that we have talked about all year long that I don't understand how everyone is all at once being able to overlook those flags within the movie. I'm curious. I mean, there's no doubt it's, if not the, one of the front runners in every major, at least many major categories right now, right? So Mm -hmm. I'm very hopeful that I won't be seethingly angry by the time I'm done with it. <laughs> Amy, did, did you want to see more Rachel Zegler early or did, because she's in some best debut performances here? Uh, she's getting enough for you. Cause that was my biggest surprise. I thought, you know, once Scott Feinberg and some pundits put her at number one, I was like, all right, here comes the shower of awards, but mm. she's not necessarily as consistent. I don't know. What, what do you think of her resume? I mean, Best Actress is just a mess right now. Like, <laughs> some people are warning it to Lady Gaga, some are giving it to Christian Stewart, but a lot of these actresses are going to struggle with their films not getting perhaps as much buzz as they should be. House of Gucci, Being River Cardos, they've got that to tackle with. At least with Rachel Ziegler, you know West Side Story is going to be getting maybe double mm. nominations here. So it could be a case that if... Some people in the industry are being lazy and only seeing five films. They'll put Rachel Mm. Ziegler on the list. 
very if House wise. of Gucci wins any Oscars, I will never shut up about it. I'll be the <laughs> happiest I've been in this show. <laughs> why? That what? What do you happy? mean, why? <laughs> did you see it? <laughs> we did enjoy aspects oh, of it. but It might yes. be my favorite movie of all time. <sighs> every, every, like Our audience understands my groaning and moaning right now. They yeah. do. All right. Uh, Cyrano, guys. I thought Cyrano was going to come out earlier on our shores. Uh, it's not, it's, but it, it, it is eligible. So it's getting some love, but this seems more akin to past late breakers for me. Like Judas and the Black Messiah wasn't getting everything at first until it started getting everything, right? When people became aware of it last year. So Cyrano is kind of stacking up like that where it's getting a little bit here. HCA, three noms, Detroit, three noms, DC. But, I mean, we have Peter Dinklage already winning a tribute at Gotham and and winning uh, an actor award at Detroit with the picture as well. So I guess... I'm wondering how you guys see that first batch of of, of late breakers. Uh, West Side Story seems to be entrenched. The tragedy mm. of Macbeth seems to have crafts. Amy, do you expect Cyrano to c- keep rising? What's your perception of that right now? I'd love it to. I'd love Dinklage to get recognition finally because it feels like he's been in this industry for God knows how long and mm. it doesn't seem to be getting the recognition he deserves. But... The problem that Cyrano has is that it's got to compete. It's got to compete against two big musicals, West Side Story mm. and now Tick Tick Boom. It seems so. Can we get a third musical surge? I don't know. That that is interesting to think point. about after years of ber- you know being bereft with mu- with no musicals mm. uh, in contention. We we got an overabundance this year, Mike. But all right, I I am also confused by this next batch and and Michael. Like, we've been up and down on these three movies for a while, but Being the Ricardos... Has anybody actually seen Being the Ricardos? Are people just <laughs> lying to us about what they think Being the Ricardos... Like, I've seen people say Being the Ricardos is a surefire SAG contender, and now all of a sudden it's in this 50 to 60 range on Rotten Tomatoes and all these other critic review sites. Have people not actually seen it and they've just been guessing at what it's going to be? I don't know. I, think... I want answers. I'm very, I'm very disturbed by this. I think I'm rattled by the 52 meta score, and I'm rattled. Because two weeks ago, Mike and Amy, two weeks ago, we were on the show, and we were quoting critics who were fawning over what great work was in being the Ricardos. And now, all of a sudden, everyone's tempered on it. It's I'm not confused. the first time. It's not the first time that confused. the critics had a love affair and a parade. And then, you know, a week later, they're like, I, I, I would love to know what happened, but I'm still looking forward to it. But you're right. I don't know how you can take it seriously right now with the with the numbers it has. But it's just unforeseen. Don't Look Up, similarly, uh, it just came out with uh, some glowing reviews uh, on premiere night on social media, Nightmare Alley. We kind of covered that one. It was a little up and down. I think the expectations mm-hmm. were high for Guillermo del Toro. So, Amy, I'm kind of wondering about these late breakers, this whole stack of them. And the, the last three are not performing quite as well as the, re- as the first batch with West Side Story and whatnot. So... How do how do you view that last set? Do you think they're going to surge, or do you think they're over? You know, they were kind of overhyped, or we got misinformation, or you know, maybe they're just you know more ordinary than we think. 
I think in terms of being the Ricardos, what my takeaway was, okay, we're criticising Aaron Sorkin for what he said in terms of his diversity comments, and then the next day over-praising it just because the cast is in front of us. I felt that was kind of disingenuous from a lot of critics. Um, I, I wonder mm. maybe the week they thought about that. I was like, okay, maybe we should back off a little. Don't look up. Um, I think people know my view on Vice and how much I hated it. So, yeah. I, but the thing is, <laughs> the, you, market, the, mar- <laughs> the marketing for Don't Look Up has been great. It's actually been like, okay, I'm going to give him another chance. And I still think you have to look at what he did in Vice, what he managed to pull off of a Best Director nomination against Bradley Cooper, which I will still never forgive the Academy for. And I still think you have to consider him because I think the industry maybe admires him for his direction, for his style, for how kind of bold he is. And then Nightmare Alley. God, I've got no idea. I honestly have no idea. <laughs> yeah, we're waiting for that one. I I just think that's going to be a punch to the gut kind of movie. And, you know, I mean, we've, we've seen certain films do well at the Oscars in terms of nominations, you know, when they punch in the gut and they're parades mm-hmm. of sadness. But... When it's time to vote for those to win, Mike, it, they may not do it. What, what do you think? What do you think? Are these movies going to rise over the next month? I mean, we, we were happy these movies were staying big, and now we're getting more measured takes from them. Don't Look Up has just, I tweeted about this earlier, but it just felt like such a inevitability that it's going to be in a couple big categories that I think it might be too late to stop the momentum anyway. I mean, it landed as much as as middling as the critic scores are right now. It's landed in NBR and AFI's top 10. I didn't do the research to see what the crossover is when you have that, but I think there was a list of like six or seven this year that ended up on both lists anyway. But I would imagine there's a decent crossover of at least having someone, a picture, do that and end up in the best picture field as it is. Um, I'm not going to go after Amy for her takes on Adam McKay because she and I see Tick, Tick, Boom similarly, and I'm going to stake my flag in that and, and be proud to be on her side on that one. So uh, that's 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 really all I got. Uh, Nightmare Alley. Look, we've joked about Nightmare Alley ad nauseum on this show about you know what it's going to be about, and I keep saying I'm, I'm fully expecting Bradley Cooper to have sex with a fish man because that's what Guillermo del Toro does. I, I'm taking it that's not what this movie is, but still knowing what we know about Nightmare Alley, it's never to me felt like something that was going to be in the best picture field on merit other than more so I should say than it would be something that's going to make the best picture field because Guillermo del Toro's last movie won best picture. Yeah. I, I don't know. I I think we're going to have to wait and see, but I, I, I feel like that one has a path through the crafts, production design, most notably what it's getting touted for right off the bat. Like Amy, you know, mentioned Tragedy of Macbeth, the superlative of that, the cinematography, you know, they, they got to go for that at, at the very least. So there's a path for where, you know, more branches will at least watch the film. Uh, I do think there's there's a crowd of movies this year, more so than last season. I think I think there's a lot more big contenders, big names, and the screener pile Agreed. argument may come into play, and that's why I'm wondering, Amy, about this next set of films because some of them are my favorites from the film festival season, but I'm not seeing enough love, especially in my mind. Uh, Red Rocket, Come On, Come On, Parallel Mothers, uh, most notably. So, what what do you think of kind of the the rest of this fall slate that we're looking at? Uh, especially those three movies, and can they... I mean, Mike Mills jumped up on Feinberg's forecast, but I haven't seen the Critics Associations jump on him yet, or, or award him yet. Red Rocket, 
may, might be a tough sell. And then Parallel Mothers, it seemed like without the international film path for Parallel Mothers, Penelope Cruz is losing steam. What do you think, Amy? Yeah, certainly. I actually have Come On, Come On in my predicted 10 for Best Picture. Amen. Good. I don't know what the pathway is yet because I don't have Phoenix. I do have the screenplay, but it's just such a feel-good movie. And it's one of those movies I've literally not seen anyone criticize or really complain about and the way mm. that the oscars is going this year with the straight 10 the number ones don't matter as much anymore you just need to make the 10 and make enough of the top 10s and i don't see many people who have seen come on come on not put it in their top 10 so it could be one of those sort of weird nominations where it only gets maybe screenplay cinematography and picture and it gets free and it makes it um yeah parallel mothers i i said as soon as it didn't get the international it it, it was done it wasn't getting in which is no. a shame but like people are like oh they love alma devar it's like well why didn't his short get in last year in a year where you should have yeah, walked the short category and i think she makes an even better point and in, in when she's well, amy when you said that i mean th- that flat 10 is gonna have a bigger impact than i think most people realize some some movie is going to benefit greatly by there being a flat 10 nominations this year in Best Picture. And they might do it in more than one category. My only Hail Mary here, and and you're right, the flat 10 factors into this, but my only Hail Mary is that I'm wondering if this year that the industry went back to the film festivals in person. Like, that, that happened this year, and there was a lot of buzz, and there was a lot of cool stuff coming out of those film festivals in that season. And I'm wondering if the memories are just going to be so fond uh, and, and for after a, a pandemic year, if the, if the darlings, if the true darlings of the festival will ultimately come back in a big way, or at least have that potential. Amy, you had some film festival experiences of your own. Do you think, like a come on, come on, like they, they just won't forget come on, come on, because everybody enjoyed it at the festival? I mean, pick your movie, like Tragedy of Macbeth. But what do you think of my theory, I guess I'm asking? I think that will work for Coda. I think people are going to go back to Coda because mm. it was Sundance and it was the start of it all almost. And it's already making a resurgence. It's made so many of the top of the year list. Uh, Troy Kotzer is getting so much recognition now that it's almost like, yeah, you can't deny it. People are actually saying it's almost a lock for Best Picture now, which I would love as somebody that's currently writing a dissertation on... Um, the deaf audience and the deaf film community i would absolutely love for there to be more representation of that so i i do think coda is going to be like the fest like the true festival darling that sort of makes a surge we're gonna get one of them i mean one of them's gonna be there i i I think amy makes as much you you, great explanation and you've convinced me but you know the academy loves themselves the art house and the indies and the film festival circuit and you know they're gonna have all the eyes in the world on them they love propping up these independent films and art house films when they can so one of them's gonna be there no doubt well would they stretch to something mike like a house of gucci or would they stretch to something like coda would they stretch to take take offense personally for you saying that house of gucci would be a stretch in the first place let's get that on the record uh i i don't i you know what has the academy always done historically maybe to their own detriment at times it's been leaning more towards the more peculiar niche film right right? than more so celebrating the big box office one that's just I mean, that's anyone who studies this knows that. So I would think 
by that logic, especially in a year which is kind of like two years in one that we've talked about on this show a bunch, that everyone's talked about, that this is kind of a, a massive year for big movies and small because people weren't putting out stuff. There were no festivals last year and people weren't were holding back everything. You have this grander stage. Yeah, I can absolutely see the Academy making a point to go out of their way, various branches at that making a point to go out of their way to prop up smaller films. Speaking of smaller films, we're going to head into the British Independent Film Awards in a second, but we're also going to carry through on this film festival thread, uh, I think, with this next movie that uh, is beloved by one of us, Mike's, and not so much by the other, and that's Belfast, and we're about to talk about the British Independent Film Awards. All right, Amy, I'm wondering what the perspective of Belfast is in your neck of the woods, Aberdeen, Scotland. Uh, I, I have no idea. Like, we are ignorant Americans. Uh, is there is there ties? Is there rivalries? Is there deep-seated Hatfields and McCoys? What's going on with Belfast? How did you take in Belfast? We're not getting it till January 21st, so you'll have to ask me in a month's time. <laughs> this is what happens in the UK. Like, a uh-huh. lot of the Oscar contenders, we don't get till January, February time. We didn't get Nomadland until after the Oscars. We didn't get Promising Young Women till after the Oscars. We didn't get Parasite till the weekend of the Oscars. This is just something that you have to deal with as a UK critic. So what do you think about Irish people in general? Just general? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, so, okay, so there's no predisposed notions or anything uh, out, out there. So I'm wondering, I guess I'm wondering about the resume then. So let, let's analyze it from the resume stance. I, I don't want Michael cackling throughout this, so I'll pose the question Too to Amy again. Uh, <laughs> we, have, we have 11 FIFA nominations and zero wins. <laughs> <laughs> NBR had two wins. I mean, it, it it is picking up wins for Katrina uh, Katrina Balfe, Jamie Dornan, uh, Kieran Hines in one instance at NBR. Uh, one original screenplay at in DC. One best picture there. Like it's winning and it's racking up the nominations, and yet it does feel a little thin in terms of. I mean, maybe it lost its luster when West Side Story kind of crashed the party, and maybe that's where I'm at. But uh, so, what do you think of, of Belfast's resume right now, Amy? In terms of Bifa, um, I don't think it truly matters. It didn't even get a Best Picture nomination, even with the 11 wins. So we kind of knew it wasn't going to perform too well. You could look mm. at last year and say, "Oh well, it did. They did award the Father Best Screenplay and Best Actor." Yeah, mm-hmm. but Beef is more used as a platform to highlight other British independent films and perhaps give him a platform to say the BAFTAs, but, which is how Rocks, the film that won the Beef last mm-hmm. year, end up breaking into the BAFTAs and getting the nominations that it did. So if anything, I think this is more of a thing to say look at, look at um, After Love to get nominations at BAFTA this year. Okay, good. So it's more like... Uh... It's more like the Gotham's in a way, where like Nomadland is up, but Nomadland will can lose. Well, it didn't lose, but in years previous, we've had big, big name movies up for big awards, but they lose to the independent film. So, Mike, you can't really gloat that hard, or are you still gloating that hard? It's at least possible that everyone saw that movie and was like, "Hey, this was a charming, fun movie," and that's it. <laughs> 
right? <laughs> like, it doesn't need to be the, oh, my God, how does this not win Best Picture? That's at least a possibility. 11 noms, I mean, it obviously has some kind of prominence at this award show, and it's going to be recognized. I fully expect it to make the Best Picture field still as we talk here today, but... Yeah, I'm, I plan on gloating at some point. I plan on gloating telling everyone. I, was I, I regret not asking you this question earlier, but doesn't it take artistic prowess to make a ch- an endlessly charming movie? Doesn't yes, it, absolutely. Isn't that hard to do? I, listen, I have not. I have not. My grudge has not been against Belfast. My grudge has been against, like it always is, everybody else. <laughs> like people, people wanted to, to talk about how Dune was going to cure cancer because they got to it early. People are talking about Belfast like it's an unmissable. There, to me, Belfast is great, and there are at least two Belfasts every other year. Let's say that doesn't take anything away from the viewing experience. It's a great movie. It's a great time at the movies and it makes you feel good and it makes you think and it makes you feel overall, which is what movies are supposed to do. Does that mean because it checks those boxes, it needs to be heralded as a surefire, no doubt best picture contender. I just don't think so. (sighs) This is what I'm dealing with, Amy, but I, I, it's a good point. (laughs) I get it. And I know here's where I'm proud of you. Cause you're like, you're bucking against the same trend that we kind of grew up loving to hate about the Oscars, right? So yes, I, I, that's, I, that's where my that's exactly where my flag is. Yeah, I'm with you there, homie. However, I just I wish you would you know stake out a claim against a, a worse movie than Belfast, which is just adorable. <laughs> it it's is. Like, it is. You're it's right. It's like me right. being mad at the at the boy from Minari last year. I, I will say, and, and, and I'm very curious, Alan Amy. Kim. To, I'm very curious. Yeah, <laughs> I'm very curious, Amy. To I do want to talk to you after you do see Belfast because you seeing Tick Tick Boom the way in which you did, in which you say it's the standout performance from Garfield, but the movie's a little lackluster. And I thought that was, I, I, I thought you know I saw that I saw the movie the same way, but I know that's a minority p- opinion by and large. But because you were able to say that about such a beloved movie like Tick Tick Boom has become, I am very curious to know what you're going to say about Belfast. It'll be interesting to see for sure. Um, I just, I hate this trend of how films that are centred around the UK or the UK area, this happened in 1917 as well, get shown everywhere else before the UK. I don't get it. <laughs> that is ridiculous. That's, that makes no sense. You're absolutely right. Well, uh, you have seen After Love, though. So After Love won five of the big six uh, British Independent Film Awards, including film director, actress, supporting actor, and screenplay. So, Amy, if you wouldn't mind, maybe... Maybe give us a, a little snapshot review of After Love. Yeah, sure. So I did end up seeing this at the London Film Festival in 2020. So this is like a year and a hmm. bit ago. Goes to show how long these Jeez. festival runs go for. Um, <laughs> I wasn't in love with it as much as everyone else. But the opening scene, oh my God, so good. It really shows why Joanna Scanlon, who is the lead actress here, end up mm-hmm. winning and why I think she can potentially make a break in the BAFTA actress category. So that's the next big set of questions, right, Mike? I mean, we have Boiling Point, which did well, Souvenir Part 2, Ali and Ava, they've all racked up a couple of beefas, and last year, Rocks, uh, Calm with Horses from a nomination standpoint, His House, these wound up with BAFTA nominations, where nobody thought that these independent films even with the new voting committee-based nomination process at BAFTA that, that they you know reinvented after the scandal, nobody thought BAFTA was going to go that far towards the indie side of their industry. And yet, 
we saw some a major shakeup, at least in terms of the nominations. Now, the way the winners played out, the winners were as predictive as they've ever been mm-hmm. at BAFTA. Mm-hmm. Eleven of the biggest categories, the same as the Oscars, including picture, director, actress, and actor, etc. Both, both, all four acting categories, for that matter. Both screenplays, animated, doc, international, big eleven that we talk about mm-hmm. all year, guys. So, Amy, my, I mean, we'll start with you, but. What do you think in terms of the new nomination procedures at BAFTA? Do you think that was an overcorrection in year one? Do you think they'll go back to being less indie film related? Or do you think something like After Love is going to do really well and crash into these categories and knock out future Oscar nominees or whatever uh, in terms of the crossover? I'm pretty sure they've actually changed their rules again to find like a balance between the two. So I'm pretty sure the jury now just pick two or three of the nominees and they go straight in, and then right. the, like the entire like voting body gets to pick the final two or three. I think it, they've changed it. They're trying to find a balance, but it definitely led to some interesting discussions last year. I know I highlighted another round and the Mauritanian getting in because they were beloved by mm. uh, British critics um, another round ended up winning the London Film Festival Audience Award so I knew they were going to make an impact so it's going to be interesting again to see what happens this year so this is good Mike so this is why we have to have guests on more often because instead of cramming the night before the BAFTAs um, and, and researching their <laughs> voting procedures <laughs> Amy could tell us now and uh, we won't sound like idiots for months, just just days or just moments yeah. beforehand. So thank it's, you it's for good that. To talk to experts. I agree. Yeah. So Mike, I, I guess you know how how do you look at uh, last year's crossover when you see because okay, we covered this and we, we couldn't see the forest through the t- trees at the time. Otherwise, we would have had perfect Oscar ballots because the Baftas wound up being super predictive. So, do you think the Bifas? Uh, you know, do, do you think they just show up like so? If, so if Amy, if I'm 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 reading you correctly, it sounds like they may you know just have the newcomer categories be beefa influenced, and then it'll be more of an Oscar crossover. Is that what you're expecting, Mike? I remember last year when we were talking about the Bath and Oms and just that episode and recording it and being like talking to you in the pre-show when we were trying to schedule it, like set up the episode and the flow. We're like. Well, now what? Now what do we do? Like, <laughs> what, is, what does any of this mean? And, and you're absolutely right. And, and this is why we have to have Amy on the show and why we have, Amy, you have to come back and save us from ourselves because <laughs> what you're saying, I mean, it makes total sense to me. But if the question is, Mike, one, what do you expect from the Baptists? How can you expect anything after what they've done last year? And then, like Amy said, they went and said, hey, what we did last year, maybe we're not totally happy with. So let's change it again. I don't know what to expect with the Baptists. And with that, I don't know what the Baptists are going to mean in terms of Oscars relevancy. Obviously, they're going to mean something. And it's going to be something we're going to look back at like we are with last year's Baptists right now. And we're going to say, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But going into it. Can we see the forest or the trees at this point? I don't know. Amy, any final uh, final read? Maybe prepare us. I think we're just going to have to wait for the shortlist because they do make shortlists for every oh, single category. This isn't a thing like the Academy where they only make for free. Like, this is how I kind of knew the Mauritanian was going to do well because it appeared in a lot more categories than some other films did that were actually Oscar nominated. So it's always interesting to analyze them when they come out. 
that was a very sheepish follow-up question by me, but might have been the smartest follow-up question I've asked all episodes. So that, all right, no, that's that's perfect. You're absolutely right. Yes, the shortlists uh, will kind of just like they will at the Oscars. They will kind of tell a story and 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 start to shape our opinions. But I did want to draw attention to one of these British independent. Uh, film award categories and that's the best international independent film guys flea won it this year and look at these recent winners nomadland parasite roma get out moonlight room boyhood blues the warmest color the hunt a separation nine of the last 10 winners in this category were nominated for oscars including three best pictures and eight of those nine wound up winning oscars so we have to talk about Flea. Flea is at this nexus of animated, international, and documentary feature at the Oscars. What do you, do, does this win at BIFA actually tell us something? Because Flea needs to be put into a context where I think people, even, even with all the awards, it might be underestimating it. Like, how do I look at this resume that I have before my eyes where NBR... Uh, NYFCC, DC, I mean, everybody is picking it somewhere. How do I look at this resume and not think that Flea is going to get multiple Oscar noms, if not a Best Picture, Amy? Because this is the Academy, and if this was any justice, <laughs> we would have given Soul Best Picture last year. Um, <laughs> is this is just a simple matter of fact. If you're an animated film, if you're an international film, if you're a documentary film, the Academy just doesn't care to to nominate you for Best Picture. It's just that, mm. that simple. And I learned that last year. I held on to Soul for Best Picture until the final moment because I was trying my best to push for it. But I kind of knew at the end it wasn't going to happen. So yeah, I do think it makes all three international animated documentary and it makes history. And yeah, in that case, wow. you're like, why the hell is it not in Best Picture? I am fascinated to see how they handle it because Mike, we did get a big we did get a big international contender, another rise up this week at the New York Film Critics Circle, and it's been carrying through. And that's Drive My Car from Japan. It won in Atlanta, it won, like I said, in New York, it won in DC, and it seems like it's kind of uh, becoming consensus, one of the few films that's becoming consensus. Another round kind of broke out a similar time last last year, where the European Film Awards, which is next week, guys, you know, four wins for another round, and then boom, boom, bing, bang, boom, we kept winning. I, I don't know how how do you view how do you view the international branch, Mike? I know you got your opinions how and your suspicions. You? How dare you so, ask me that question? <laughs> Well, I just like I because mean, you have cynicism about this branch. Like, do you expect that like the critics' like winners me. to cross over or no? Uh, I don't like saying that the Gotham. You drive my car one at the Gotham's too, right? Am I remembering yes, that correctly? Yeah. That as much as the Gotham's mean everything in the moment, and then nothing when it comes to the Oscars picture. Most times, that still stuck out to me, and I men- I mentioned as much when we were reviewing the Gotham winners on this show. Like, I, I really didn't expect, if you asked me to power rank those, the the movies in that category for the Gotham, I think Drive My Car would have been fourth for me in terms of, like, that was a surprise win for me. Uh, maybe yeah. it's not for everyone else, but I did not expect that. 
does it have that kind of leg? Was it just the voting body? Was it just the, the Gotham jury that happened to have, be behind it? I, I don't know. Do I ever know what an international feature category is going to do? No. Do I make fun of you because you invest so much time and effort <laughs> into it every year trying to figure out an answer with international? Yes, I do. So I, I, I don't know what to expect. I know my summation would be that that Gotham win, if Drive My Car ends up doing well at the Oscars... I think it's something that retroactively we're going to go back to and say, see, the Gotham's do mean something when it comes to the Oscars. It could be predictive. So, Amy, you were tweeting about this, too. Like, you were trying yeah. to figure it in, out. In particular, the New York Film Critic Circle, it won Best Film. Not Best International mm. Film. Mm-hmm. Best Thank you. Film. Yes. And that was building up after Power of a Dog was sweeping actor, supporting actor, director. Great like, point. I, I had actually gone to see The Matrix back in the cinema because it re-released i was like right i know power of dog's gonna win best film i don't bother and then i get out and i see drive my car and i'm i've only given three films this year a perfect score drive my car is one of them i love this film yes so that's awesome i'm i was so happy about this so i hope but this is definitely an interesting year for international film contenders so who knows what's actually gonna happen they've been doing better at the oscars guys because the academy's become uh, more global, uh, thankfully. But it's been, it's, it's been obvious the last few years, too, Mike. At the, yeah. Once we get to the Oscars Sunday when it comes to international feature. There hasn't been, like, a huge... Another round was pretty much a runaway. Parasite, I mean, my God, do I even have to mention what happened with that? You know, it's been kind of obvious in that category the last few years. I don't know that this one has... I mean, maybe Drive My... Would you say Drive My Car is even the leader right now? Well, if it gets screenplay as well... That's the thing, like... We saw a surprise at the Oscars with uh, another round getting multiple nominations, and, mm-hmm. and you know, and other than maybe Cold War Cold having War. Parasite to go up against, like you see the crossover noms, and typically that tells a tale. It's not all Pan's Labyrinth that gets screwed. By the way, I'm still mad at that. Uh, Pan's mm-hmm. Labyrinth not winning it all that year, even though the other movie that won was good. I forget the Lives of Others. I believe it was very good movie. I anyway, you're right. We have some other movies getting cross-category love. A Hero, Oscar Farhadi, Mike Mike and Oscar is going to be our next podcast endeavor. <laughs> terrible, 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 terrible. Just the worst. <laughs> but we have The Worst Person in the World, one of my favorites on the year. Tatan, uh, just undeniably insane <laughs> and, and something that we enjoyed reviewing, Mike. So I, I, I wonder, Amy, if you think... We're going to have unprecedented levels of international film crossover noms if or if this category in your mind is just kind of up for grabs because it's as mo- it is as intriguing a category as I've ever seen because Flea is racking up cross category noms and like I said these other three major contenders as well. Yeah, so it all depends on how they view a film like Titan cuz you could also say Lamb is also a contender as well if they want to embrace something that crazy but <laughs> i mean you look at last year and there were some fantastic nominations and some very weird choices made by the academy um <laughs> you, yeah you never know with this i'm just glad that this year it doesn't feel like a lock from the start i'm glad that there is some question Agreed. as to what's going to win because you could see crossover with director because that has been a trend but the issue of that is it's always been the favorite for the international to get that nomination. We don't yeah. have that. We don't know if Julia Ducournau is the favorite or Hamaguchi. We don't know which one we're going to push. So people might just think, right, we're just not going to push any. 
that could be a problem in trying to get these international films into other categories this year, maybe aside from Flea. I don't know what to make of it yet. And and there's always, for me at least, there's always major disappointments in movies that I love that wind up getting snubbed at either the shortlist or the uh, the finals, uh, you know, nomination level. So, uh, all right. I, I, I think uh, I want to do something similar here with animated in the sense that Encanto, The Mitchells versus The Machines, Ryan, The Last Dragon, Luca, Bell, they all got something these past two weeks, guys. And again, with Flea being this multi-category contender, I'm still surprised to see such wide open races and to see such variance overall. Uh, Mike, I'll start with you. What do you make of animated right now? It seems like there's like a six film standoff in a way. It's one of six movies or one of seven movies in a, you know getting nominated. But we got Mitchell's in the Machines winning a bunch, and we got Encanto winning some, and we got Flea. I'm surprised Encanto hasn't been doing better, to be honest. I mean, I, I thought that was going to be open and shut, but it does not seem to be the case, and I would agree with you. It seems like animated is more open than I, I even would have figured it'd be. That, to me, suggests that maybe Flea can make some headway and maybe it can do an upset. I mean, I you know, is the Mitchells versus the Machines really going to win Best Animated Feature? Is it really going to win over a Disney movie? Is it really going to win over a cross-category uh, contender like Flea could be? Like you're saying, I I have a tough time buying that, but if anyone's got the money to kind of campaign and put behind it, Lord knows it's Netflix. New York, D.C., Atlanta, yeah. Detroit, four wins just last week alone. So, Amy, I, I, same question. I, what do you make of animated feature right now? Do you think people are just still trying to figure out what to do with Flea and maybe it's a function of maybe a drive-my-car you know, taking charge in international to where, okay, Flea will be the animated winner and maybe we're just waiting for that to shake out. How, how do you view it? Um, I was listening to Next Best Picture and I can't remember who it was, but for a prediction of a week, one of them mentioned the animation from Flea isn't anything too spectacular. It's kind yeah. of basic in its style and it possibly is a better international or documentary contender than animated and Mm -hmm. i just don't see how you resist a disney charm once again in canto it's the same thing that i made this all last year people like oh i'm bored of disney pixar but you've got a reward if it's the best of a year and it's the best of a year at least in my opinion so yeah i don't know Mm -hmm. why Encanto hasn't been doing better unless it's critics just saying let's boost something that's not a disney pixar film because we know the other award shows are just gonna do that yeah, I don't know what what to make of Flea and animated feature, because I would say, on the one hand, the fact that it's animated it does bring a lot of power to the flashback of Flea. But at the same time, what has the most resonance on me is that it is a true story. It is the fact you know the end packs the emotional wallop, and then you know I would I would probably ag- agree with the first thing you said, and that Flea is where I would kind of put the documentary feature category as much as I love other documentary features this year and summer of soul is doing really well last week. So that's, that's why I'm so fascinated. Like flea is, I wonder if it's being stretched too thin and nobody's going to know what to do with it and they'll never figure it out and it won't win anything. It'll be up for three things because there's other movies. Uh, So I don't know, Mike, Mike, do, do you have any 
clue uh, where it's, I'm going with this? It's tough to. It's tough. Well, okay, all right. My my initial thought was going to be it's it's going to be tough for an international feature to get that kind of momentum, uh, and I I guess I stand by that except that we just saw Parasite do it obviously, but my my second thought is Flea kind of perfectly fits in Oscar's puzzle theory too. If they don't want to if they do want to recognize it, the Academy as a whole, if there's enough people that support that movie and they don't want to say it's just quote unquote just an international feature, but we don't know we don't want to reward an international feature because we know we're going to end up rewarding it somewhere else lower or elsewhere on the card to prove that it's more than just quote unquote just an international feature. Maybe they go somewhere else for an international feature and maybe despite the animation being basic, things do end up giving it uh uh, flee something in animated feature instead to prove that it's an international animated feature that can win and it took down the big boys of both Netflix and Disney and look at the statement we're making with this <laughs> I mean it's a perfect candidate for that type of thing and if you're going to ask me to to dissect its chances or any film's chances or anyone's chances dealing with the documentary feature branch I resent you <laughs> well that's the thing Amy we have had quite the relationship with the documentary feature branch and there's no way Mike there's no way they're cooperating with an Oscars no, puzzle zero. theory a share the zero love chance. theory Amy right zero so chance. like that's what I'm I, I, keep, I keep coming back to it do you think like this is gonna shake out or do you think we're gonna flash forward two months from now and we're gonna be like oh my god Flea could win all three and it may get boxed out of all three or we and we don't know. I mean, do you think there's going to be consensus at some point? Maybe, Amy, I, I let me ask it that way. Like one of these categories is going to look decided like kind of another round kind of jumped out in front of international last year. Like is drive my car ready to make that move or, or summer of soul ready to make that move in documentary or even in Canto and animate it. And then flea could kind of slot in to the weakest category in that respect. I don't want, I don't mean that as a slight to flea, but if flea is, is, is confusing for voters, that could be an issue. I think the best case scenario is that it only gets in one. Because that way they know what to push it, and we have this thing with like, right. like Scarlett Johansson. I agree with that at all. Like Scarlett Johansson last year or the year before with two nominations, and she should have won both of them, in my opinion. And she won neither because people didn't know where to reward her. It was my worry with Bradley Cooper this year that he was going to be an actor and supporting actor. Now it looks like it's neither, unfortunately. But the fact that if it only gets in one. Neon is able to push that because they're not going to stretch themselves thin. And mm -hmm. in my opinion, I hope it's documentary because I want this film recognized as an incredible true story more than anything else. I think I, I really like what she's putting down there, Mike. I think I, I think I'm I think on board those are with great that. points. I agree. Amy, uh, I, I'm a little resentful. You've come on our show and made me look so stupid by all the great points you're making. <laughs> while I'm just espousing nonsense, but it's cool. I thought we were friends, but it's fine. Uh, I think uh, I think we we need to have more guests like Amy on the show, but we need to have Amy back. She, on the show for I, Amy, sure. you've been great, sincerely. This is Be awesome. Before we go, I'd like to kind of come back to some of the big names, and then maybe like a couple, you know, side questions on some indie favorites and you know movies that we're hoping gain some steam, etc. But let, let's talk about the big names because they have been doing well. They have been racking up the early resumes after two weeks. Power of the Dog was a big winner in New York, like Amy mentioned. Dune was a big winner at uh, Eric Weber, our pal there from the Sunset Film Circles award show. Uh, we have. Uh, we have King Richard that is winning big awards at NBR. Will Smith, Anjanou Ellis winning uh, throughout 
and then Tick, Tick, Boom. All right, let's just talk about those three first. Uh, Mike, do you, do you think those three movies are doing what you expected, Power of the Dog, Dune, and King Richard, or did you want or expect more? I have a complicated answer. I am surprised, I guess, heartened by Anjanou Ellis's success thus far, as mm-hmm. I really do think she should be a no-doubt top contender in that category for supporting actress. I thought King Richard would be getting more momentum for best picture overall, though. Like, it seems to be everyone's kind of, yeah, all right, Will Smith, this is going to be a coronation. I still feel like this is like the expected coronation of Will Smith, which is fine. I don't disagree. I think it's a good enough performance and makes sense. And if he's, I think he's going to be the favorite going into Oscar Sunday, whether or not he actually wins will will remain to be seen. But I I just, I, I thought King Richard overall as a whole would be more embraced, I guess. Not even just by critics, but just like by film Twitter, by people who've seen it, by people who watch it on HBO Max. And I haven't felt that type of momentum where I have felt that has been with Power of the Dog. And everyone seems to be ready to to coronate Power of the Dog as something that needs to be beaten in the Best Picture category. Now, I'm also 85 medicines deep right now and and just talking out of both sides of my mouth, so I could be wrong. But have you both seen what I'm talking about here or am I just talking crazy? Amy, do you think do you think Power of the Dog is stacking up as uh well, I guess let's put it this way. Amy, like these critics associations come in early, come in hot, they pick a certain group of films in most years, and then the academies and the industry starts to weigh in. Like we've seen this we've seen this evolution and this uh, this ecosystem kind of work before to where Mike, I mean, maybe to answer your your kind of premise there. I tend to think like the critics get a little weird, get a little funky, get a little artistic. So like Power of the Dog seems to me like if it's going to win, it better win early. Whereas like King Richard could be uh, an industry favorite later. And it's, mm. it's, it's just very unobjectionable. Uh, I don't know. Amy, do you read it a similar way or are you concerned for King Richard like Mike is? I'm going to say something that might sound crazy. I put this on my Twitter I've taken Will Smith off of the best actor win and I've put in Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, uh, like I, I said, it's crazy, but I... No, I don't think it's crazy. I really don't. I really don't think that's crazy. It's just that King Richard was supposed to be this sort of box office hit. And yes, the box office does not matter this year. But the fact that it wasn't, the fact that people have already kind of stopped talking about it. if anyth- And also, yeah. I don't think it's a best picture winner. But I have it winning song. I have it potentially winning supporting actress. I have it doing well in editing. It does not win four Oscars about best picture. And I think Will Smith might just be starting to become the most vulnerable. We've talked about frontrunners becoming vulnerable for years, Mike. And but why, Amy, why is that? Why, why, why that feeling? Like, and I, th- I think that's what I'm trying to hone in on, because I don't think that's crazy at all. I think that's like kind of a I feel like there's this need or this motivation out there right now where everyone's like, yeah, King Richard was fine. And I expect I did not expect that. And I, I'm just what what is the why honing in on Will Smith like that? Is he still in your top five? Do you still expect him nominated? Do you feel like there's a lot of people that are following your lead there and kind of taking him down? I think we're still he's still going to be nominated for sure. I just. I don't see why everyone's saying the Academy is kind of desperate to give him a Best Actor win because I've not seen that. Benedict Cumberbatch has had an Oscar nomination, I think, more recently than Will Smith has. 
And right. I mean, you look at the year Benedict Cumberbatch had, he's going to be everywhere with Spider-Man. He's going to be everywhere doing promotion for Doctor Strange. He had Courier this year, which I think is an underrated film of his. Mm. And quite simply, mm. I think because of the reviews that don't look up, I think Netflix is going to make it clear Power of a Dog is for a baby and we're going to push that everywhere. So I don't see how you don't escape Benedict Cumberbatch this year. I really don't. Amy, those are great points, and you can never come on the show again because you make too much sense. <laughs> Netflix has got to be thrilled with what the power of the dog is doing right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, they 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 knew it was going to do well with the critics, I would say, but the fact that it's been number one in terms of their movies on the site with two hundred whatever thirty million whatever uh, subs well, they're at right now is insane. Two weeks in a row, Mike. So that means it's getting watched, and I really wish. HBO Max would release some numbers on, on, on we think right that's that's we think it's getting what Netflix when they release look how well this movie's doing on this platform it's nonsense it no means, it's just it, in their top tens Mike so we know it's okay getting watched. yeah uh, I, I I agree I agree I agree with the premise yes because that's not what we would expect necessarily from their art house centerpiece right Very I mean true. you know Red Notice should get watched but Power of the Dog <laughs> Jane Campion film and that's exciting. I mean, it had that. It had that awesome trailer, though. My God, I was right, dead on. On I was, I was dead on on that trailer. But okay, Dune. Let's let's shift to Dune for a second. Is Dune doing what we expected it to do? It's racking up a lot of big nomination tallies at every awards body where they have down the card crafts, etc. Big winner at the Sunset's Film Circle, like I said. Amy, do you think Dune is going to be, you know, just because it's atop every branch? that it's ultimately going to be atop the best picture, you know, in terms of a, an obvious nomination. And therefore, you know, maybe, maybe it has coattails for Rebecca Ferguson or somebody, maybe not, probably not, but uh, maybe director and therefore adapted screenplay. What, what are you expecting for Dune? God, I hope so. This is my favorite movie of the year. Um, I absolutely love Dune. Um, I think the Academy also has to hope that it does well because this is going to be the one box office hit that they are going to have to say, right, you're going to want to tune in to see if Denis Villeneuve finally gets his Oscar. And considering the ratings last year, considering the lack of push for going back to the cinema, I really hope the Oscars understand you need doing in your nominations to get the viewers up and to promote the idea that you need to get back to cinemas. I uh, I really wish Dune had, you know, kind of a a more focused cinematic rollout at least over here. It was kind of diluted with the. Uh, I mean, I get it. I get it. it. Made buku bucks for Warner Brothers, but all right, Mike, your Dune, your Dune takes have our Dune takes have not lasted. And Amy, again, uh, Amy, you're from a uh, very wet climate in Scotland. Is that true? Yes. Is that why you love Dune so much? Yes. No. Uh, <laughs> No, you like the rest of the world. You love Dune. Mike and I are a little more tempered on on Dune, I would say. But I, I, I gotta, re, I gotta give it a rewatch. Mike, uh, what do you think, kind of, of this next batch? I would say. I mean, you could throw Dune in there as well. But I mean, Tick, Tick, Boom, Spencer, Dune. I mean, these are movies that came out kind of in the early, you know, mid fall, 
and they were touted as favorites in one category or another, at least in Spencer and Dune's case. Are they are they staying where they're they're supposed to stay? Because like I always think like these movies just gotta stay relevant. They gotta rack up some awards. They're not gonna be everybody's everything. They just gotta stay on the radar. They gotta stay in the conversation to to last. Um this this is Ridiculous, but that's where my brain went first. But are you, are either of you at all aware of the controversy that's going on on TikTok surrounding Lin Manuel Miranda and Hamilton fans? No, absolutely not. There's some kind of big like fallout going on right now. Where how the, dare you bring this up? The, well, I, this is wh- where my head went first, and I, I apologize, but I'm gonna be 35 in a couple weeks. By the way, but I anyway. spent over 20 hours with. <laughs> Resumes. No, I'm kidding. Please. Lin Manuel Miranda on TikTok. Thank you. There's some kind of feud going on between the touring production of Hamilton and the uh, Broadway production of Hamilton. And it has to do with one of the members of one of the productions making TikToks out of actual stage plays, which is illegal, I guess, or like the Hamilton, they say you can't do this. And it's having like this actually fracturous impact within TikTok on how people feel about Lin-Manuel Miranda. I bring that up to say this. We've seen people lose Oscars for at least as obscure reasons, right? Like we've at least theorized that other weird shit that has happened in the late calendar season, December, January, we have at least seen that like, oh yeah, that could have had an impact. I don't know that necessarily TikTok will impact the Oscars. And in fact, Tick Tick Boom seems to be doing quite well as its own. I mean, Garfield seems entrenched in the best actor field, but if everyone's expecting Lin-Manuel Miranda to be in the director field, maybe not. And I, again, I bring it up just to say that it's, it's really unique and really weird, but it's at least worth mentioning because I've seen it everywhere on TikTok lately. Amy, what what's your view of this TikTok converse, controversy? <laughs> I, 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 I don't even. I, I have no. I have no thoughts. Nothing. I just blank stare from me on this end. Yeah, no, that's that's the proper reaction. I just had to say it. I had to get it out of my off my chest. I still don't see why people say Tick Tick Boom is a Best Picture contender. I really don't. I have it an actor which is pretty secure i only just put it in adapted screenplay recently i'm trying not to let my bias get in the way because i found a lot of it to be bland the cinematography the editing i just didn't like it personally but i don't see how you see west side story directed by steven spielberg and you compare it to this i just Hmm. don't know if anything, Lin-Manuel Miranda should be getting recognition for his music in Encanto, but that's just my opinion. I'll say I'm this much. Across the board there. I, I rewatched Tick, Tick, Boom, and the rewatch was even better. And maybe that's where I'm at with it. I, I don't know if Academy members are going to rewatch anything, never mind you know, the musical, uh, this particular musical for that matter. So I don't know. I just I do know it is stacking up with a decent resume right now, and it's winning. It's also winning uh, director in Detroit. It's winning for Garfield and editing at, and DC, and it's you know best first feature at Atlanta. So it's getting it's getting love from kind of a couple different angles. And and you mentioned like Coda can do that. Coda can win at some indie award shows, and it can win some indie categories, and and stay in the conversation. And pundits do have it much higher than I thought they would. And Andrew and I just talked about it a couple weeks ago, where Tick Tick Boom, or last week for that matter. It, it, time flies, guys, but. 
So that's that's where I'm at. I'm not saying you're wrong. I would get. I would have totally agreed with you both. Uh, weeks ago, I never thought Tick Tick Boom would be this much in the conversation. Do you think Tick Tick Boom is gonna fall? Like, you expect it to fall off? Do you think it had a love affair with Broadway fans? A lot of those. How are many Netflix? How many picture? How many movies is Netflix gonna be able to market for Best Picture? That would be their third. It has to fall off. Just based on, but if anybody can market three, it's got to be sure, the biggest. Sure, but they've never successfully won one. <laughs> Amy, any any idea at uh, at the Netflix big three right now? Because that's that's another ongoing conversation on Mike, Mike, and Oscar, and the Nomcast for that matter. I mean, part of a dog is a lock at this point. I don't mm-hmm. see how it doesn't get in. Don't look up. I still think gets in. You just look at Vice and how, how that played when it wasn't a 10-picture race. And it still made it in. I think the industry respects Adam McKay too much to not recognize him. So mm. I will only really start putting Tick, Tick, Boom in if I start seeing the likes of SAG and the like all the actual like awards that aren't just critics going for it gotcha. i need to see that before i think okay they're actually paying attention to this so that's the measured amy smith that i thought we were going to get so you had a lot of hot takes which i really appreciate thus far and and there's a measured take from amy smith that i for whatever reason in my brain i had you as um uh, somebody to somehow balance out my co-host and myself here because we get a little nutty mike all right house of gucci for the win Well, that's where we're going. We're going for like these intermediate resumes now. And I've seen half, like a little bit of here, a little bit there, sprinkle in some wins for Lady Gaga, sprinkle in some wins for Mass and Ensemble, Eyes of Tammy Faye, Chastain winning in Detroit, Lost Daughter, Great Day at Gotham, uh, Best First Feature win, Passing, you know, nominations here or there, Harder They Fall. Last Night in Soho, French Dispatch, too many movies to count. I guess what I'm wondering is, of these next tier of resumes, because that's what kind of we're talking today, you know, House of Gucci is a Mike one favorite. What, what are you pulling for at this point, Amy? Like, what, like, of this And next why is back, it Jared Leto? <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to see get more love going forward? Mass. Mass. I, it was yeah. my favorite film from Sundance. It should be walking away with original screenplay. I don't get why it's not. It should be walking mm. away with ensemble awards. I don't get why it's not. Isaac should be winning uh, supporting actor. I don't get why he's not. This is just such a powerful film. And I don't get why it's not being talked about. I really don't. So, Mike, kind of, you know, what, what what do you expect to happen? Uh, I asked Amy what she wants to happen. What do you expect to happen with House of Gucci in the eyes of Tammy Faye? You're really good at predicting the predictions and the predictors. Do you think House of Gucci is going to, has any chance to surge back, or do you think it's getting forgotten? Uh, eyes of Tammy Faye, same deal. I mean, they're stocked down right now. There's no other way to look at it, even with a Lady Gaga win in New York. Well, here's here's what I'll say, and this is my way of weaseling out of a prediction. If Amy's right and the Academy wants to prop up Dune 
because of its box office. And if box office is going to matter that much to the Academy because they want to actually get people back into theaters, which they did not mention at all last year during their program. I think they mentioned theaters once or twice we counted. Uh, you can definitely count it on one hand. So I don't necessarily know that that's a given. But if that's the way the Academy is going to approach this, then I would think there's going to be something held against these movies these adult dramas that didn't do anything at the box office like you can't use them if you're going to use it as a pillar from one aspect to prop up dune you could use it as a detriment as against the likes of house of gucci eyes of tammy faye edgar wright's movie a a ton of these adult dramas from these bigger studios i'm I'm wondering if they know the the real numbers behind it too because they're getting paid by the bigger studios with the streaming you know, accounts now in a way so that like Dune is a massive success. If you look at it from the fact that HBO max is now a hundred million subscribers deep, you know, they're rolling deep. Well, that underscores the point too, because I mean, it's not like anyone could have watched, you know, I I don't think eyes of Tammy Faye was available at home on any streamer one. I think it was a, a theater exclusive, right? House of Gucci, same thing. Yeah. And how good is it doing now? I mean, I know the revenue streams are like 35 different, streams feeding into one and we don't know what the numbers are like we're in the public we're ignorant to it and we have no ideas what what these actual studio numbers so if you analyze it just by box office these days you're not even getting a portion of the picture never mind the full picture so like that's like yeah it helps when the box office is still good i'm sure and it obviously is something that we want for movie theaters so i guess yeah, I wonder who gets the bump, Amy. I wonder I wonder who, you know, what what what's your perception of kind of the box office landscape in that regard? Like what do you think is is there a movie that you think like a Dune perhaps that you think the Academy is going to view as successful that just has to be uh has to be nominated because of as much. I mean, I don't I don't know if that that exists this year uh, unless it's something like Dune like Mike said. Yeah, I think Dune is the only for second place. I think would honestly, honestly be House of Gucci, and you've just got to yes! account Lady Gaga is going to bring in a lot of names, or they could just use Best Song for that because you've got Beyonce, you have Ariana Grande, you've got all these big names, you've got Billie Eilish. That could be their draw if they bring the Best Song contenders back into the ceremony this year. No time that to is die. a thousand percent what I've been talking about with if yeah. the Oscars want ratings, if ratings matter. And I will tweet that. I know I've tweeted this too much. I'm going to keep tweeting it until we have this freaking show. If the Oscars give a shit about ratings, which we know they do, Billie Eilish, Beyonce, Ariana Grande and Jay-Z should already be behind the scenes locked in as noms and they should be on the phone with them, scheduling them. How can we get you here? What do you need? Let's get you performing live. You guys are going to make the stage, blah, 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 because that's going to get eyes on the show. So the original harp Sacord recording in the Green Knight should That'll not be crash that category. That'll be the fifth. That'll be the fifth. <laughs> well, all right. So we're about to wrap up, but I guess I got uh, two final quick questions for you guys. Uh, we we did see a good week for three indie darlings in particular. If, if Coda's not considered in that group, but Pig with Nicolas Cage, the Green Knight did very well, getting a smattering. Of, of awards love in terms of the critics associations and Shiva baby. Do we expect a huge week from them next Oscar race checkpoint time with the indie spirits and that's all they'll get? Or Amy, do you think like the green Knight has some possibilities in cinematography 
or for the or, or Nicolas Cage has a possibility in Best Actor? Is it a Dark Horse candidacy? What, what, what any chance? Well, the Lighthouse made it into cinematography, so who knows? Um, <laughs> I would love it. I'd absolutely love it if it made it in. Um, I, I'm not expecting much from these three, sadly, but let's just see. And Mike, I guess the the last question for you: the last duel, the card counter, respect in the heights, Cruella, a quiet place to Annette, one award maybe for the each of them, couple noms here and there. Are these movies just forgotten at this point? Can any of them come back? I mean, what do you? They had a bad first two weeks. Would I be shocked if Jodie Comer somehow found herself nominated? No. Would I be shocked if Jennifer Hudson came back and had a resurgence in the next month? No, but those are probably the only two out of that list that I would. <sighs> are we are we talking about costume design for Corella? Because maybe, but I mean, other than that, I would say those are the only I two. I think that we should like be major ones. I think we should be, Mike. But because I, I wouldn't like... be surprised, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Corella gets a costume design nod. No, not at all. Amy, I can any, totally see that happening. Any chance that uh, the Academy remembers? these movies from the first half of the year better than the the critics associations thus far i just tweeted about this people need to learn that movies release 365 days of a year and not just the last 90 the fact that in the heights was posed as this big oscar contender and it failed because of a box office and yet we're not judging any of the other films based on their box office even though in the heights made more money than them it's ridiculous um (laughs) it's an issue like They've been trying to solve it with this whole you need to log in movies every three months, but nothing is getting done. And it's such a shame because, yeah, Jodie Comer gives arguably one of the top five performances of the year, not just an actress. In the Heights is one of the top ten movies. It's my favorite musical of the year so far. It's just a shame. Mm. A Quiet Place Part 2 should be walking away with the Best Sound Award, but this is where we are. Wow. Yeah, I, I'll let you have the hammer on that. I, I, I totally agree. Uh, yeah, great points. Great points I, I, all episode long. Amy. Yeah, we can't thank you enough. We, you're awesome, and uh, put us to shame in terms of your productivity as a youngster, but also your, your, your Oscar takes. We always love your Oscar takes year round, and that's why we, mm-hmm. we do all the cross promotion on the, on the internet there with our social medias. But uh, really thrilled to have you on the, on the show. Got to get you back, Amy. Please remind our people here, where they can find your stuff, where they can find you on social media. Yeah, I'm floating about basically everywhere, so if you want to find me, the best place is on Twitter at Films with Amy. I've got a link in my bio which has all of my work. Actually, since seven minutes ago, I got approved for Sundance 2022, so you have that to look forward to in the next oh, month. Congrats. So you've got that to look forward to in the next month or two, but... Yeah, I'm just going to be crying for the next three weeks of a Spider-Man release working at a cinema. Pray for me, please. (laughs) (laughs) Well, your hard work is much appreciated because... Uh, I really uh, I hope it does well. It's it, it's necessary for the industry. Those projections, Mike. We're gonna have to talk about those at some point. Well, next week we'll talk about. Well, I don't know. Maybe sooner than that. But uh, we we got a lot to talk about with Spider Man, uh, Mike. Amy, where does, the hell does, are... does Emma Stone? Does Emma Stone show up, Amy? Uh, I'll find out soon. Ow. <laughs> Your weird project projections, but it may, maybe she does. And then I got my foot in my mouth for another year, <laughs> and you just don't let me forget it. This is what I'm. 
this is what I have to go into a movie. I have to just, I, I have to be mad if Emma Stone shows up because my co-host is just going to stick it in my face. That's where correct. I'm at. Mike, uh, speaking of uh, sticking it in my face, please do a proper outro for us, Michael, because I've botched it in weeks past with uh, with Andrew. Don't don't make me do that right now. I don't I don't know that I'm proper to do anything right now, but I'll tell everyone where they can find us. Uh, uh, what's always most important, obviously, dear listener, is your thoughts. Uh, we want to know your input about anything we talked about here today in this entire episode or, as always, anything we do here in the MMO Empire. You can leave us all of those on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available wherever you do hear podcasts. And if you're listening to us on the Apple Podcasts app, if you would be so kind us leave us a five-star review if you appreciate what we do here uh, that would truly make our entire day uh, my apologies in advance if my cold medicine made me say anything unkempt uh that's that's as good as, a, as you, an apology you're going to get from me for this episode but michael let's leave the good people with some words of wisdom and tell them what is coming next from us well it's wise to follow amy smith Absolutely. it's wise to read all her work um and it's wise to remember that the oscars are not squid game as much as i love <laughs> For them to be Squid Game, nothing violent, of course, but I, I would love to be at a Battle Royale at times. It is not. And, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how things are going to shake out, but uh, I, I'm excited, Amy. I'm excited that the races seem open still, and, and all most of the races seem open. Do you do you have the same feeling? Or I, I, think, I think this whole episode uh, kind of speaks to that, if I read you correctly. Uh, do you feel excited about the rest of the season go, looking forward? Oh yeah, definitely excited, and I am excited to prove everyone right by saying Bandit Cumberbatch is going to win. <laughs> so you're excited in your certainty about a projection, and you're truly an Oscar pundit. <laughs> Not in the making, my own you heart. are. <laughs> you're, just, you're ready. You're ready for the show. You're you're right there, uh, more so than either of us two idiots. So th- thank you so much yet again for hanging for another huge Oscar race checkpoint, Amy. Oh, thank you for having me on. Anytime, except when you're making too many good points. Uh, guys, <laughs> I say that in jest, obviously. We love to have you guys. When reality sucks, you can come survey the Oscars landscape with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar with our friends trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We will see you all very soon. See ya. See ya.